0: Is it about one email or is it every email that you're treating that way? And that's one way I see it showing up with people that we work with, you know, when they're still in that job. A lot of them are just working insane hours. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen.
1: We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it.
0: If you're ready to make a
2: change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott.
1: Here's Scott.
2: Welcome to the Happened Your Career Podcast. I'm Scott Anthony Barlow, and this is the show where we share stories of how high achievers find career happiness and meaning. We thought we'd give you a little bit of insight into some of the conversations that we have on our team.
0: I think that's so interesting because it's about standards and especially when you have high standards, where do you draw the line between excellence and, you know, an unattainable sort of excellence?
2: That's Caroline Adams. She's a coach on our team here. It happened to your career. Remember her? You heard her before on episode two twenty three, and then later on another episode talking about perfectionism. And this conversation that you're going to hear between her and I is actually a debrief after that. After that, that conversation that we recorded for the podcast about perfectionism, and we found it really interesting that and ironic <laughs> that creating creating content about perfectionism was difficult, quite frankly. In, in fact, it caused some of our most interesting perfectionistic tendencies to come out and play. So <laughs> we actually break that apart. And in doing so, if if you listen a little bit later on, you get to hear some of the ways that we work through perfectionism in a, and we didn't actually intend this to be a podcast episode when we first started recording it when we when we hit the record button actually it was uh, just a debrief on the end and we happened to be recording it and we realized that you know what it would actually probably be pretty beneficial to everybody else because within it we shared with each other some of some of the really the best practices that we use to overcome perfectionism, and also where it rears up for each of us. All right, so hopefully you can take away a few different things that you can put into your own life or try out, find out if you can hold back those perfectionistic tendencies or rather lean into them and recognize that they're there and be able to do great work and move yourself closer to where and how you want to be living anyways.
1: I was sort of scattered from a day-to-day and week-to-week perspective. Like, I didn't look at my week every week and say, I know exactly when I'm going to do this, this, and this activity, or have this, this, and this meeting.
2: This is Tracy. She wanted to build her own business, but found herself stuck.
1: The business had reached a certain level, but I also had some family issues at a very sick parent.
2: You get to hear Tracy's story later on in the episode to learn how she used coaching to help her finally figure out how to make everything fit.
1: What you allowed me to do was create the career that I wanted to facilitate the lifestyle that mattered the most to me
2: in the creation and making of this episode, how much I guess went into it, and even some of the elements of perfectionism that that reared it like in in progress in in some ways, for both both me and you. So uh, okay. so what are you thinking about this here and what took place going into this episode? What was interesting for observation for you, Caroline?
0: Yeah, it's a great question um, because I had mentioned how, you know, both in prepping for this podcast and in writing a blog post about perfection, those were two times in the recent past that I've been most anxious about anything. Yeah, And I think I'd have to process a little bit more, but I, I think a lot of it is about, getting in my head and then being super aware of what was going on in my head because I I knew I was in front of an audience talking about it. And so the pitfalls we were even talking about in terms of not being in your head and not making it mean anything more, uh, I fell straight away into those. And, you know, part of that is the creative process. You want to get stuff right. You want to be very precise. And so you're probably a little bit hopefully critical, if that's a thing, but constructively critical, because you want to make sure that you're getting your points across. But in really trying to inhabit the space that people are feeling when they deal with perfectionism, Mm -hmm. and going back to that place of the times that I myself have struggled with uh, perfectionism, it it really, um, it kind of starts to take hold. So I thought that was really interesting to observe is like, how do I talk about perfectionism and not worry about getting the talk exactly perfect.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I so love the both irony and meta-ness of that.
0: Yes. <laughs> I just inceptioned you. <laughs>
2: yeah, you did. <laughs> <yourself>. <laughs> Interestingly enough, on this particular one, I th- so here's what I was trying to evaluate. Hmm. Do I think I was not perfectionisty? Is that it, or was I really not perfectionisty? I'm making up words now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: meaning, uh, meaning what? Tell me. Meaning,
2: tell me. What so, like, I caught myself three times this morning already being perfectionisty. Uh, I'm mean, gonna. I'm just gonna keep going with this word. That's not yeah. really a word. Um, the I was writing an email and it needed to it it needed to be done. At a certain time this morning before our conversation, otherwise the next thing wasn't going to get done. And the next thing wasn't going to get done. And honestly, I felt very vehemently that it wasn't good enough, if you Mm -hmm. will. Mm -hmm. So I did end up taking more time and waylaying something else and, and going back to do that and looking at it and even thinking about it. Now it probably did help some areas, honestly, to get it to a new standard but most mm-hmm. of what i was worried about really just wasn't that big of a deal.
0: Yeah. I think that's so interesting because it's about standards and especially when you have high standards like you and i do and yeah. a lot of our students do, yeah. where do you draw the line between excellence and, you know, an unattainable sort of excellence. And oh, there was something you said that was so interesting that I wanted to comment on, Oh, uh, uh, time. And, um, you know, a lot of gurus recommend time boxing things, you know, and just, you know, committing yourself to getting that thing done in two hours or an hour or not spending more than 15 minutes on, you know, an email or, or whatever it is. And it's interesting when I've done that out of necessity, yeah. uh, for, or writing or whatever, usually something creative. At the same time, that I value the fact that uh, okay, I, I still did something. Isn't it amazing where I could have spent eight hours on this, and I actually got it done in two? And so I can recognize the value um, in that. I I do sometimes struggle with. Well, I know even if it's incrementally better, you know, maybe it's worth that extra time. And so it, it really becomes. I mean, you could really overthink it, which I love to do, but, um, it really becomes an interesting, uh, concept of for the amount of time you spend on something, how much better are you actually making it and, and, and looking at, you know, the value of time and, you know, is that 5% better that I might be able to get it to in six hours? What is that going to mean for the people that I'm writing for? Like, well, they value that. Well, I value that and not now I've, now I've lost my six hours that I don't have to spend on writing perhaps another 75% okay blog post. So it's a really interesting concept and where where do you draw the line between something that is excellent and meets a certain standard versus kind of tipping over into well it's never gonna be completely done.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's what is it? The theory of diminishing return. Yeah. yeah. What is that called? Yeah. I think yeah. it was I think it's that. Yeah. But um
0: which I built a career on, by the way. Oh yeah. 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 Just keep tweaking it around the edges and pouring time into something that's not going anywhere.
2: (laughs) But I think, you know, that's like, that's kind of a perfect illustration in some ways because the theory of diminishing return, I think is useless without knowing what you're trying to accomplish. Like if you don't know that, knowing what's important to you or knowing what you're trying to accomplish, then you don't know whether you're getting diminishing returns. Because if it's more important to, I don't know what's, um, well, even that email that I was talking about this morning, if it is more important to get that email, because that satisfies a, a bigger goal and to make that perfect, then really, I, I also believe and have seen lots and lots of evidence that, you know, for, uh, when you're talking about things like mastery or whatever, then, um, it is important to go that extra, you know, tight. It is important to go that extra area to get it a tiny percent better in some ways, Mm -hmm. but not if that doesn't really have the type of impact on the, if that doesn't really um, mean anything for the larger impact for whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, whether that be, you know, making the career change or whether that be, um, I don't know, in our case, we're trying to reach more people to be able to teach them how this stuff really works, right? And does that email do anything for that? And and I yeah. think that becomes the question. So it's I think that theory of diminishing return has to have the prerequisite of understanding what you really want to achieve, accomplish, whatever. I
0: think that's totally right. And and back to the idea of awareness and understand, you know, getting curious about why this is showing up and why you're feeling this way. Yeah. And so is it about one email or is it every email that you're treating that way? And that's one way I see it showing up with people that we work with, you know, when they're still in that job, a lot of them are just working insane hours yeah. and just exhausted. And just, even from my own corporate experience, you know, talk about diminishing returns. Like I remember sitting in front of my computer screen at the end of a 14 hour day, and I literally could not collect my thoughts. I just, my, my brain was just on overdrive and I would sit there and stare at the blank screen, trying to like waiting it out to see. It's if I gonna It's going
2: to happen. It's going to happen. Maybe. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it rarely did. Usually I was just yeah. like, all right, I'm going to go home and start at, you know, five 30 tomorrow morning. But I think a lot of people take that approach. And especially when that approach of diminishing returns kind of throwing their energy away, basically into something that's not yeah. going get- to what they want, um, which is one of the, the biggest pitfalls. I think when people are making that career change, they say they want the career change. They start taking steps, but they're still giving 50 plus hours a week to their current job to where they don't want to be. Well, that's diminishing returns, (laughs) you know, make it your job to focus on the thing that you want to get to. So it's an interesting, I'm glad you brought up diminishing returns. It's huge.
2: That'd be a fun, um, what you're talking about in terms of energy and thinking about energy as a currency in some way or as a resource, um, as a finite resource. That'd be a fun episode to do, by the way, at some point. And um, I almost think that in some ways, um, thinking, although time is, I think, possibly the most valuable resource as a subcomponent of that, again, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, for me in a lot of ways, like energy and dividing that specific amount of time is um one of the most valuable things I've had to really 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 pay attention to yeah uh,
0: and
2: that is that has been that has been a massive learning curve over the last six years for me just uh, yeah and there's like different levels of it too like every time I think i've got oh i've I kind of got this nailed. Then there's a yeah. new brand new level and a new dimension to some degree to get better at that one teeny tiny area.
0: Yeah, 90% of what I'm doing is thinking about as I build the business and think about how I spend my time on the business is where is my energy going? I mean, you and I even talked about this when we first yeah. started talking about yeah. working together because I'm so because I've burned out. So I know what it's like to to push that to the limit and and it's so interesting what you say about Having time versus having energy. When I went part-time in, in my corporate job and I had I had so I, I worked at corporate just three days a week. So I technically had two weekdays and two weekend days yeah. to start a business. So I had anywhere between two and four days that technically I had plenty of time to work on my business. I was so exhausted from those three days that I just needed that time to just get back to whole, to just to be able to kind of recover from what had happened in corporate. And so I think that's 100% about energy. I had plenty of free time. And I think a lot of people have this. A lot of people complain about not having time. You have the time. You can find 20 minutes a day to do something. But the point is, is that you, if if I gave you that 20 minutes right now, you might not be able to connect with it because you're just depleted from whatever else is is happening in your life. So I, I think that would be a fascinating conversation
2: yeah yeah what is okay so i'm curious what is the number one most challenging area for you around energy right now and i'll tell you mine too here it's like
0: good question i think it's that i um oh gosh make me choose just one
2: i know i know
0: (laughs) that's very coachy of me it is i'm a very passionate person and i am passionate about certain things but i can also be passionate about what's in front of me and i think that's a lot of what was behind why i stayed in certain positions for such a long time in my corporate career because i would almost like trick myself cuz i was like oh once i get into it this is pretty this is pretty interesting but i wouldn't have chosen that thing if you had given me 10 other options do you know what i mean so i think it's about Recognizing that passion, recognize recognizing the capability and the energy behind it and making sure that I'm focusing it on the things that are most re-energizing and fun, you know, reminding myself to have fun. Actually, you want to be doing this. We talked about this before. That's the most important thing is like channeling those huge stores of like just flow and inspiration and all these cool things that happening, but channeling it into things that i really enjoy because i i t- i like you i think you've said this a couple places you can folk you have intense focus and so you can focus on one thing but then other stuff drops out oh, yeah. i'm very much like that so especially if you know it'd be one thing if i were channeling my energy into something that was like so amazing that it you know i could just live off of it for years but um Especially when I'm not putting that passion and energy into the right place, the fact that I'm ignoring other things, it just kind of becomes all-consuming.
1: I had reached a point in my business that I had gotten to largely through sweat equity, just legging it out, doing the research by myself, figuring it out on my own.
2: Tracy's business had plateaued and was keeping her from what mattered most to her. When she signed up for coaching with HTYC, she identified who she needed help from.
1: The business had reached a certain level, but I also had some family issues at a very sick parent. So in my mind, I wanted to create workflows and efficiencies and extra revenue that would allow me to take the time with that parent that was really meaningful to me.
2: Tracy was able to set up her business for success and give her time with her loved ones
1: and I had reached a point where I knew that I wanted some more professional help and particularly I wanted help from somebody whose life I admired and whose business I admired. Our work together really helped me systematize. You took all the risk away, you took all the fear away and from that point on, you know, I was really diligent in using our time really well and making sure that we got the most out of it, but so were you.
2: Congratulations to Tracy on creating a business and a life that works for her. If you want to find out how to do exactly the same thing, create a business and build it so that it suits your life and lifestyle. And it also lights you up and gives you purpose at the same time. Well, turns out we can help. Find out how coaching can help you do that step by step. Go over to HappenToYourCareer.com and click on Career Coaching to apply. Or you can text my coach. That's my coach to four four two two two. Pause right now, and we'll send over the application. Just text my coach to four four two two two.
1: The fact that I got to spend an incredible guilt-free amount of time with a sick and dying parent who's no longer here um, is priceless.
2: Okay, so here's here's mine. I was thinking about this a uh, little bit as you were telling me about yours too. And I, um, I think the biggest challenge for me right now is duplicating the pockets of energy consistently. Mm. Um, And what has a tendency to happen, uh, because I've realized that if one, if I, if I have different levels of energy at times that I don't anticipate, um, a lot of the times my schedule gets planned months in advance. So, yeah. uh, like right now, we're planning stuff well into the end of 2018 and everything along those lines. So, if my energy pockets um, that for what I anticipate are not aligned with getting different pieces done within timelines, then it throws everything else off in a huge, huge way. Yeah. So, if so two days uh, the last two days for example have been batched recording episodes for many months in advance at this point and uh if i if i come into those those conversations not energized or if i don't get something else done and we have to reschedule some of those because it's more important than those podcast episodes then it has a tendency to have this massive snowball effect and because we're so far scheduled out in a lot of ways, then it is, um, it sometimes I'll feel it for over a month.
0: Just yeah. like,
2: So it dovetails back to, um, how do I, if I need to spend time, if I need to produce a particular result and let's say, for example, I need to write some content and, uh, we need that content to be not just, not just. I don't know, regular content, but we need it to be very, very good and produce a particular result or help people in this particular way or whatever else Then, and I cannot show up with the amount of energy during that time, then I will literally feel the, um, impacts of that for weeks where things get shifted around. And then all of a sudden I'm doing things when I, (laughs) when it doesn't fit for those different levels of energy. And then that in itself creates a snowball effect too. So yeah. that is, that is my biggest challenge is really making sure that all of the elements, like what food am I eating? Um, you know, <laughs> the day before, what, um, am I getting to bed on time? Is there something that pops up, you know, at school that I need to have a conversation about with, uh, for the kids or just all of those elements, uh, and then being able to plan for the unexpected, yeah, uh, so that it doesn't get, so it doesn't derail everything, Um, that's, that's my biggest challenge right now in the impact of energy.
0: That's what I was, that's what I was, I had two follow-up questions. So one is, do you schedule downtime now knowing that, you know, this is something you need to watch out for? And do you ever change, like call an audible and change your schedule? Like when you realize like, oh gosh, I just do not have the energy for this or it's too much. Do you mix it up or do you just kind of let it run its course and then recover after that?
2: It depends. Um there have been times where you know I've so what I always try and do and it doesn't always work. Sometimes I'm so in the thick of it where I fail to uh, pull myself out of it for a couple minutes to be able to look at the bigger picture. So there mm. absolutely have been those types of times which mm. then ends up causing some of that snowball type effect too if I if I fail to do that for you know a particular time period and um uh, but when i do then yeah absolutely i look at okay is it going to be more valuable to i don't know take a nap or go for a walk or like um it, a lot of times i'll do like 5 or 7 minute workouts mm-hmm. just to be able to get blood flowing or something along those lines like i have kettlebells in the next room over there and <laughs> I'll go do like kettlebell swings or something or a whole bunch of put, uh, push-ups or burpees or something like that for you know 5 minutes but I don't always do that. Sometimes I convince myself that's not a good idea or I just don't have time for it. And that's what it feels like in my head, even though it would have been better to, to call that audible, as you said. So yeah. when I do, it usually ends up better and can usually avoid it. And sometimes I sometimes I don't, but I like to be even more proactive and figure out like how do I put together the right combination of the puzzle so that uh, yeah. as I show up, then it is the right thing for the right time and the right level of energy and the right type of energy too.
0: Yeah. I totally get that. I, I really try to do that too. I think what throws it off is, uh, creativity, darn that creativity. <laughs> um, you know, so like the, I, I will get these inspirations and they usually comment like totally the point at which I can't do anything with them yeah. or when, or because I've scheduled stuff. Um, i like, sometimes I'll find myself making excuses like, well, no, this is not your writing time, yep. you know? So, um, I, I think that that's something I'm still trying to work through be- between the structure of writing at certain times of the day and certain days and just building that habit versus, you know, being open to, um, when, when those pieces of inspiration come. And I, I think the other thing too, I, I find hard to do. It was interesting. You were talking about, um, you know, just doing something for a few minutes. I, I, I struggle with that concept. Like once I when I would used to motivate myself to go to the gym, I would say, Okay, just go for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you know, it's an hour and a half or whatever, never always knowing that once I got there, I wouldn't leave after 15 minutes or whatever. And, you know, same thing with writing. And I, I think if I could, if I could, so I'm not very good at just doing the thing for 15 minutes. And I think I know that. So I think, well, Caroline, you're just lying to yourself. It's going to be an hour and a half. It's going to be all day. So I just just don't start. Whereas, especially with the writing, if I would just take the 15 minutes, write down the idea, get the nugget there that I could pick up later, I think it would serve me a lot better. But for some, I think it's that same thing that enables me to focus Yeah, um, kind of works against me in that respect, because I know that I'm going to focus on it. Um, <laughs> if I sit down to do it,
2: <laughs> I have to minimize a lot of barriers in order to make that stuff work. So like, even for the taking a few minutes and everything like that, like I've built a lot of that into, into my life in really weird ways. Like I wear stretchy jeans, like <laughs> that is, that is what I, that is, what, <laughs> I don't know if that sounds weird. And I guess I don't really care if it does, cause I love them, but, uh, you know, I buy uh the certain brand express clothing they make um like really stretchy jeans for guys so like it's no big deal it's not like I'm well I'm in my I'm in my nice clothes or whatever and they don't bend that way so I can just like go throw some kettlebells for a couple of minutes or whatever um but it just weird things like that I've realized mentally stop me that I've had to one recognize which sometimes is the hardest part and then two like actually do find weird solutions for them in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. It makes, it's kind of like the opposite. I don't know if you've heard. Um, I think it's Brendan Burchard. He talks about transitions. Have you heard him talk about this?
2: I haven't, you know, I know a lot of people that are huge fans of Brendan and I, I just, I don't know him and I'm not really super familiar with his work.
0: Um, uh, I, am not either, but I, I, I've read like 15 pages of his book. So yeah. I feel like that, that, well,
2: that, you know, that much, you know,
0: <laughs> knowledge to be able to talk about it. But at the the concept I liked, it, it, it's, uh, it, there, it's a twist. It's not exactly what you said, but he talks about kind of moving from one activity from another uh-huh. and making sure that you take the time to acknowledge the fact. So I, I think a really good example is like when you're moving from, uh, Family time to work time, or work time to family time, and if you don't kind of stop and like tell yourself, "Okay, I'm finishing this and I'm moving into the family," you have the tendency to kind of take those those you take that same energy into what it is, whatever it is that you're doing next. Often, you know, to detrimental results. Yeah. And so, uh, what made me think of that was the fact that it's kind of you've. You've eased those transitions, but in a way that works. It's not about um, you've made them more fluid, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's like you're 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 prepared at any time to like do some kettlebell exercises or whatever. And so it's less about um, you know, okay, now I'm doing this, now I'm doing this other thing. And it's more about I can seamlessly kind of move between these different activities. Anyway, yeah. that's where my mind went.
2: I, <laughs> I never heard anybody put it this way, but in my mind I always think about like physics and minimizing friction like that's mm-hmm. the way it works for me. It's like how do I minimize the friction of what is causing me not to do something, and how do yeah. I remove that out uh so that you know inertia just doesn't get stopped or whatever else yeah. along those lines, and that's what it always makes me think of, and that's how i like I relate the concept. It's like well, what's stopping me what's what's producing the drag what's the I don't know, whatever, whatever analogy. And in a lot of ways, it's things that small things that irritate me or small things that um, I don't know, are causing, causing me to rethink things like just getting rid of those in one capacity or another is I found the biggest challenge.
0: Yeah. I think about that a lot. Actually, I think at at my core, I'm a very lazy person. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's like, and 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 it's interesting the word fun has started like I, I never would have put fun at the top of my values even probably yeah. two yeah. years ago. And I think once I finally started stepping into fully embracing, you know, what I wanted to do in my career yeah. and then yeah. getting at it and bringing that same like grinding energy that drove me so much in my corporate career and saying, I don't want to, br- no, I like this. This is the thing I want to protect. I don't want to bring that same energy. Like, How do I make this fun is is the question I ask myself all the time. And, it, and a lot of times, um, even if it's not fun, just even stopping to ask that question can kind of open some things up and just take a bit of the pressure. But I, I agree. It's so interesting how, how I can be derailed, like how at 11 o'clock, one night, I can be so pumped and ready to get writing the next morning. And by the time the next morning rolls around, you know, five minutes after I get up, I'm already starting to talk myself out of it or losing that momentum. I just find that sort of thing. Hang on, you just want, you've been awake for five minutes in between. (laughs) We really wanted to do something. And now when you're dreading it, like it's the worst thing in the world, what the heck happened?
1: Yeah. (laughs)
2: Hey, I hope you enjoyed that. If you want more behind the scenes at Happened to Your Career, drop us an email and let us know. We've been experimenting with a lot of different types of content lately because we want to continue to improve so that we can put the most useful and best possible and even most entertaining things out there for you in the world. So drop us a note at hello at happened to your career.com and let us know if that's something that you enjoyed, or if you never wanna hear it again. We would absolutely love the feedback. However, we've got so much more coming up for you next week right here on Happened to Your Career. We have a guest who had an extraordinary journey and even an extraordinarily long journey, but found not only a new role that was an amazing fit for her, but also a brand new side business of her very own.
1: I got to that point and I didn't want to give it up.
0: But the thing of it is, is that I didn't want that.
2: That's Michal. And next week, you get to hear her entire amazing story and transformation right here on Happened to Your Career. We'll see you then. Until then, I am out. Adios.